exciting times. Very. Forward to it. Yeah, I mean, we're having a right laugh over in marketing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Three hours of work a day. <laughs> Three hours of work a day, if you're lucky. <laughs> podcast Rob Cavill and Bax Munderbar. Thank you. I thought you were going to slight me then. No, you're always welcome here, Bax. Cheers, mate. Unrecognisable. Absolutely, yeah. Do you yeah. want to just explain the well, thought process? For listeners, um, didn't realise it was the same person. Everyone, everyone's so shocked to see me today. They, like Rob said, they don't think I'm the same person. You look so different. If you're listening, I've shaved what could loosely be termed a beard yeah. off of my face. Um, but also, you know, I've been I've been exercising a lot, losing a bit of weight. Looking trim. People didn't realise that the face was starting to lose a lot of that puppy fat under that beard is, quote. Beard. Is that why you've done it? To show off the chiselled features? Um, well, well, thank you, first of all. Um, no, not really. No. I just, I thought, ah, oh, maybe I'll shave it down. Because you probably noticed, but my tash gets to like these big straggly hairs that like sometimes like I'm sat there like oh I've got hair in my mouth it's my own hair <laughs> so I thought let me just trim it down but because it's like patchy like unlike Rob I can't grow a fine healthy beard like me like we both struggle <laughs> we both suffer so I shaved it down and then it looked even more patchy so then I just shaved it all the way off and as I was shaving I was like hello handsome who's <laughs> this and you know not only does my face look slimmer but as everyone keeps pointing out I look much younger as you well. You do look younger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I already looked yeah. pretty young because, as yeah. I say, black don't crack, and <laughs> evidence is, you know, obviously supported by my lack of facial hair. So yeah, yeah. you're looking well. Looking well. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Um, it's good to see you in the office uh, because because that is the topic that we're going to discuss mm. or at least at least kick off with. So, yeah. um, if you remember back to those days, you remember that COVID thing we had. Oh yeah, long, long, yeah. long, long time ago. Yeah, those were the days. Mm. So, so everyone had to go and work from home, mm-hmm. and that was like the the brave new thing, and it was amazing. It was going to change the world forever. Mm. And there's still, I reckon, a core on LinkedIn that still believe that working from home is the greatest thing ever, and that every any business that doesn't do it fully are idiots. Mm. But from reading the news recent weeks, yeah. recent months actually, I think the tide has slowly turned and picked up pace. Mm-hmm. And I think it started with some of the big tech companies, likes of Google and Twitter, Elon Musk famously said it. And then there was an article in the Telegraph recently that basically said even you know employees, workers are starting to turn the tide as well in terms of working from home and probably not enjoying it as much as they were and don't think it's good for them and the business as well. So just wanted to get view from you two as to what's your thoughts working mm. from home good or bad and you probably do it more than me uh i don't know you know i do a day a month a day a month yeah call it he's calling it a day a month. i am calling that yeah. <laughs> he is chatting might leave a bit early probably a bit more than a day a month i reckon no i, I well this is by, by the way this is our md talking so it's diminished it was a day a week yeah, you were quite regular yeah. two years ago. Not anymore. Not, not anymore. Why? Not anymore. Um, FOMO. FOMO? Yeah. yeah. I think that's a, I know I sort of say it tongue in cheek, but I think it's a legitimate thing, is being outside of the working environment and the, you know, the regular meetings you have with your team and your colleagues, um, there is a fear of missing out and not seeing something. Yeah. Not hearing something. I agree. 
So that's probably what switched for me in the last six months, I would say, because we've got big stuff going on, which we can touch on in a bit. Um, there's lot, lots happening, big year uh, for the business, and I d it feels wrong. Maybe that's um, with me being in a more senior position than others, that it feels wrong to me, for me to be absent. So I'd be interested to see whether that's shared amongst the wider people and the people that are commenting on uh, that puts together these news stories. But um, yeah, I think that it doesn't feel right if I'm not around when stuff's going down, as it were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I understand that. So Back I've reduced your, it. That's fair. You're what, once a week, twice a week? What's that? In Working from home. home. <laughs> uh, you, yeah, one, once or twice a week. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean... I'm sort of, I, I'm, I'm not really sure where, where I sit with this. I think definitely like, so with, with us, we if we do work from home, so we all work from home on a Wednesday, so we tend to work from home on the same day. Okay. So just make sure that like. At least shaking your head. <laughs> quiet you. Um, no, but generally we, we, we do say that we like Wednesday is the day that we know that we're all definitely going to work from home. And then if there's any other reason around that where we might need to work from home for whatever reason, childcare, whatever, I mean, these two have got kids, but um, then we will. But yeah, I appreciate that we do need to be around each other, especially the type of work that we do, which is quite creative and dynamic. It's, mm. it's useful to be able to jump back and forth, pop around to the other side of the desk, have a look at what's going on and so on. What I do seem to notice is it's it's certain personality types that working from home seems to just sit better with. So obviously I sit next to finance and they're pretty much always in all the time. And I often say to them, oh, why don't you work from home occasionally, blah, blah, blah. And they just don't seem that keen to do it. Whereas, you know, some of the more maybe techier people within the, build, within the company who arguably also may be more introverted or more creative or whatever, it suits their that scenario suits them better. Is that is that personality types or is that job role? Well, I, I would argue that your personality type dictates what job role you end up in, right? I, I wouldn't say that, you know, tech geeks, if I may, or programmers <laughs> or whatever, tend to be the most extroverted individuals. Yeah, but neither accountants. How many accountants do you know? That's a fair point. Yeah. That is actually an astonishingly fair point. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Do make one occasion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's a tricky one. I definitely think that having days where people are expected to be in, for me, it, for me personally, it just comes down to flexibility, like high trust and flexibility. The whole working from home thing, like if you need to, sure. I don't necessarily think it needs to be a selling point. I think the flexibility is the selling point and, you know, things being more hybrid. Because then really, what you, I think you get more out of your employees if, if you give mm. them that flexibility and that trust. Yeah. Do you think it's the fully remote that's the problem? Because a day working from home, is, it can be quite useful. I find it useful. Lock yourself away, churn through emails, write report, report, all that sort of stuff. But when you can't get in a room, when you need to get in a room, that's really frustrating. That's a it? challenge for me as an employer so Bax touched on something that I think sums it up perfectly which is trust and flexibility mm. or high trust and flexibility I think you said I'll come back to that in a sec because that's key for me now fully remote isn't really a trust thing it's a cultural fit integration collaboration thing so my brother-in-law works remotely 
entirely for a company based in London and he's in the north and I think he would openly admit that it is a challenge when it comes to feeling part of a team mm. a friend of mine who I meet every couple of weeks does the same and I just can't think what life's like mm. it doesn't sound right to me that he will get up stick his joggers on stick his laptop on and sit in front of a computer all day and the only interaction is with the camera and somebody's face on the screen I don't I genuinely don't think that's good for neither the individual nor the business so flex, full remote flexibility for us is is difficult for me to swallow so mm. we've got I'd say three members of staff that are that I barely see in the office because they live further further afield so as we've grown as we ventured into new things we have recruited people from further afield geographically speaking mm. but I'm I'm comfortable enough because we still see them once a week twice a week so again it's not fully remote mm. so even when they're further afield just that presence in the office the odd time is really important to them and us I can't envisage a world where I, you know there'll be people that are employed that have never met the boss in mm. person mm. Yeah. which I think crackers I can't get my head around that interesting actually because I did um, when I was sort of researching this earlier um, there was Airbnb employees so they're fully remote um, but the way they do it is like you can work they've got like 26 offices around the world so you can work from any of the offices but you can also work from another country for up to 90 days per country okay so I guess you could just go 90 days France, United States, Japan, whatever. Mm. Um, they claim that their employees are happier. The revenue growth has been strong. Um, attrition is close to an all-time low. Hire, ha, they've hired more underrepresented individuals. Their office footprint shrunk by 50%. The change of scenery has a big impact on mental health and employees have moved out of big expensive cities, reducing their cost of living. But that's allowing the flexibility and the change of scenery. Yeah, and it's the trust, isn't the it? The bit that I don't like is where there's no change of scenery and it's somebody that just lives and works in, I don't know, Cornwall. Yeah. But works for Spectrum. Yeah, yeah. And all they ever see is their four walls. That isn't good for any for either mm. party, I don't believe. No, I, I agree. Although there are, we are, there are exceptions in the business, I think, actually. We've got one in my team who is remote pretty much 95% of the time and does a fantastic yeah. job. But That's the one exception that yeah. I know you're talking about. Yeah, Exception to every rule. But, the but, high, but that comes back to trust and flexibility. Yeah. So for those that are not f entirely 100% remote, which I think largely doesn't work, with the rest of the team, and you two are an example where I'm your line manager, and I don't know whether you're in, out, or whatever, because I have ultimate trust that you'll deliver on what you're there to deliver. Mm. And no, you then know in, revert, in return that you've got the full flexibility to to be at home or be in the office as, as you see fit, because I trust you implicitly. So, and I think we do the wider team. What we have to remember is, and what I explained to the team at our recent annual staff meeting, is somebody asked me the question, what is our policy on working from home? And it is a it's a relatively vague one in that it's not written anywhere. Mm. It is a trusting and flexible policy whereby we must put the needs of the business first. And so if your role dictates that you need to be in, such as the need to, and it's not just what's in your job description, it could be the need to collaborate, the need for the marketing guys to 
get their heads together physically. Um, so the business needs must come first. But then after that, I trust the managers, the management team to manage their staff in a way that allows them the flexibility to what what we take is an office first approach. So office first is a tagline I pinched from Oliver Yonchev, who was on one of our earlier podcasts. And I thought, yeah, that's exactly us, office first. In an ideal world, I'd see all of you all the time. Yeah. But I recognize that's impractical and I'd be hypocritical because I'm not here all the time. So it'd be hypocritical of me to not allow staff to work from home when it suits their needs in their personal lives, such as childcare, as you mentioned or taking a parcel or whatever it might be, the gas man's coming around. So it'd be hypocritical for me not to to allow that. But we are office first with flexibility where where we can. And, and people respect that and they get it and they like it and they've been working on this. Because this topic, sorry, this topic is a couple of years old, yeah. really. And so our our gang have been working under this office first approach for that, for that couple of years and... Mm not hearing any complaints, not hearing any criticisms that were, you know, overbearing in any way or inflexible in any way. I think it's been taken well. I think where that comes into its own is with new starters. Because if I look at the one exception in my team, he's, mm-hmm. he's been doing his job through various forms for 20 years. Yeah. He's, he's brilliant at it. And I trust him and I know that he, he just knows what to do and he yeah. just gets on with it. I think when you get new starters in that are new to the business, new to the industry, have a learning journey to go through, to do that remotely is difficult, nigh on impossible. Yeah. And I think that's been a lesson That's the me. cultural fit bit because yeah. you've got to be spectrumized to some extent. And that doesn't mean that everyone in Spectrum is a clone of me or anything like that, or mm. they're all the same. We're wildly different. All 75 of us are different in our own ways. But we've all got one thing in common and that's we're sort of spectrumized, which isn't a brainwashing thing at all. It is just part of the culture. We get one another, we understand what are, what is important to us, our values, our ways of working. Yeah. More recently, our vision, our mission, yeah. what we're here for. Um, so, but you can't, as a new starter, you're not getting that if from day one you're working from home. No, it's culture, but it's also, I, I, you learn partly through structured learning, but partly just through Osmosis, yeah. don't you? Just hearing that conversation in the back behind you and being called into a meeting to five minutes before it starts just because the people think it'd be valuable to you. Yeah. You don't get that if you're working from home. Hi guys, just jumping in. I want to talk about one of the services we offer, which is robotic process automation, also known as RPA. That is software that replicates human behavior. So if you've got people downloading spreadsheets, attaching them to emails, going on portals, downloading information, moving data around, all that stuff is perfect for a robot. So if that's interesting, get in touch. Let's have a chat. Let's see if we can help. Enough from me. Back to the conversation. Yeah, and it's like it's like stuff that you don't even know that you need to learn yeah. or want to learn. Like you yeah. just start to pick up these habits and you go, oh, yeah, like that's really useful. I've never really looked at it from that perspective. You know, and if you sat on a desk with people, then you're going to be chatting, right? Whereas if you're at home, you're only really chatting if it's, to do with the work that you're doing. Yeah. So you're not having those social sort of moments and building I, those bonds. I bet you that if we didn't have a meeting in the diary and we have fixed meetings in the diary once a week, but in, in in between those fixed meetings, I bet you anything, if you walk to my office on any other day, mm. 
and say, how are you getting on? I'll yeah. say, oh, have you got a minute? Yeah, yeah. Whilst, whilst you're here, shut the door. Yeah, yeah. And we'll have a 20 minute chat yeah. about something yeah. from which we'll take next actions and there'll be something to do. Yeah, absolutely. We're categorically not getting that. Yeah. So the presence of people wandering about I don't mean wandering around aimlessly, mm. but just that presence bumping into you. Oh, can I catch up with you later? I want to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. You're not getting that because if you work from home and you've got a, you'll have a fixed meeting once a week. You go through the ten things on that list. Yeah. See you next week. It's very it's transactional. Not, yeah, yeah, it is transactional. That's right. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? So last, last question on this then. So if you if you took all of the businesses that have kept the remote working policies that they put, probably put in place two years, and you compared that use that as a sample against everybody else that's probably moving more towards an office first approach do you think over the long term performance will be impacted or yeah. not it's hard to say isn't it because to a degree I mean it's like the whole the whole LinkedIn crowd and everything like LinkedIn's cool and everything but there is this virtue signal oh, yeah, sort of element and yeah, yeah. these people who want to be like I'm the world's best boss or CEO you know I've I don't know everyone in my company gets paid the same amount or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's bullshit. As, as, yeah, as though like, all right, it sounds like a great idea. I mean, I dealt with anything like that, but like you only have to think it through a little bit and, and think, well, does that actually take away from the motivation? Whatever, whatever. And we see it, you know, with, you know, other stuff that I don't know if, 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 I, if I go into it. But it's like the... If, Everyone wanted to be like a look. We all want to be a safe place for like neurodivergent people and and and, and all these sorts of things. But it it becomes like this. I think you said earlier, like a box ticking thing where everyone's got something to prove. Mm. Is it really genuine? And mm. and is it real? Is it all really practical? And it's it's all. It seems like it's all just too much all at once. Mm. Like all this radical change and what what you see now is loads of radical change. Oh, actually, that's caused a lot of issues. Let's roll it. Let's yeah. roll it right because back people, in again. Yeah, people realise that the real world socially works in a way that's worked for many years. Yeah. And there might be advancements in technology and movements yeah. and all this, but yeah. they come and go. Yeah, that virtue signalling come and, comes and goes. Yeah, yeah. I could, I can't think off the top of my head, but I'm sure if you look back over the over last the years, definitely. Years, yeah, there's always some movement of some description. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But generally speaking. The way things are now, yeah, in terms of the working environment, are probably not as radically cha- different from fifty years ago as you might think. No. There might be more tech. Mm. There might be a bit more working from home. But the underlying benefits of working in an office and collaboration, all that sort of stuff, that'll remain. Yeah. So virtue signaling loses. Yeah. Eventually. No, totally. And I think like if you work from home all the time, you'd be lying to say that you're not. Look, even if you're in the office, right, you're not working all the time. You know, I think I heard Jordan Peterson said that. What are you like, about? you get, yeah, sorry, mate. <laughs> Bit of a blur for you there, mate, but I thought, I, you know, I'm whistleblowing. I'm on a whistleblowing <laughs> thing Yeah. No, but it, it's true because, like, in order to get into that deep work, it takes time to build up to get into, yeah, you yeah. know, and then you're having these conversations or you go to get a cup of tea and you're chatting to someone in the kitchen. And again, you're not always talking about, Oh, what we're going to be, you know, what work are we doing? Sometimes you just, I mean, not me, but you might be talking about the football, for example. Mm. You know, when I see the misters talking about the football, I, <laughs> I turn around. Um, but so, and I think John Peterson said that, like, the average person gets about three hours of deep work done each day. 
But he said, but the thing is, you you need all that that other time and space mm. around Definitely. in order to get those three hours. Yeah. And I think, yeah, do are you gonna get deep work done at home? Yeah. But if you're at home all the time, gradually over time, it, you're going to wear down some of those bad habits. I mean, I definitely feel, if I'm at home sometimes and I'm working from home, it does feel a bit like, like, this seems, this, I don't know, like, almost like, I would say there's like a, an element of guilt or something. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I feel like I'm cheating the system or whatever. That's kind of what mm. I was alluding to earlier. Other than that FOMO bit, there is... I shouldn't really be doing this. I yeah. need to be there and present. And yeah, yeah. I do. I, it's anxiety. Team. I get an anxiety yeah. from him. I'm all right for a day because mm. I feel like I can be very productive yeah. for a day. But then, no. you're not home for like three, four days. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I'm not in a good place. I get definite FOMO. Yeah. What conversations are happening that I should be part of? Yeah, they're mm. talking about me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, enough of my insecurities. Um, so you touched on something that you wanted to bring up actually, which was you've recently I suppose we actually as a business and as a yeah. board and as you as a leader have put, been through a process of defining our vision and strategy for the next five years of the business yes um well do you want to just give us a bit of a, the watchers listeners a bit of a background as to where that came from and I guess be good to get your view on how that was as an experience good yeah about. so um going back to my previous role in a, in a previous employer we underwent a lot of training, management training, and it became clear that the company lacked a clear vision. And the clear vision was um, for the benefit of two parties. One was the owners and one was all the workforce because the team, the staff, um, inevitably and naturally liked to know why they're here, what the company's here for, where the company's yep. heading and, and where they can where they play a part. Now, I've held off for four years from implementing our vision because the shareholders of this business um, probably needed to give me a steer on what they wanted. And so it's been a battle to try and get um, our group of shareholders that range in age from probably myself up to sort of twice my age on the same page with, with, our, with our agendas of what we wanted to do. I managed to sort of nail that down in the last couple of months. And that's led me to finally be able to launch the vision. So what I didn't what I've done is we've translated the shareholders sort of wishes and aims into what we need to do in order to achieve that. And so working as a, as a board, we came up with um, we came up with a vision, we came up with a mission that underpins that. The vision is um, can't remember the definition. It was sort of a an idealistic state, I think I caught it. Oh, you've got it yeah. Yeah. Our vision to create well, I know what the vision is, I just didn't know the definition. The Oh, the definition As of... As in, what, is a, what, what would a company class its vision? And it's oh, okay. an idealistic state oh, of the future. I'll, I'll close it. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> so we had to set something that's idealistic, that sounds a bit grand and quite fluffy in a way. Mm. But underpinning that is a mission. So, okay, well, what are we actually going to look like? What are we going to physically do? And then underneath that, five drivers, i.e. these are the things that we need to physically put in place over the next five years in order to to achieve our mission and therefore achieve our vision. And if we do all that, then we'll have, we'll have, I mean, we're a profit making business, we're a commercial business. So, so the financial status of the business, the sustainable, um, financial profitable growth, um, will have been achieved as well. So everybody wins and more importantly, all the team know where they stand and 
what role they play in all that. Mm -hmm. So the five drivers are the things that underpin it all. One is an elite team. Now, you might argue some of this goes without saying. So I then explain what I mean by an elite team in a bit more detail because all I've done really for the last four years is try and mould an elite team from the top down. And that means patience with recruitment and recruiting nothing but quality. Rigor when it comes to making really difficult decisions about people that aren't elite. And so that, so that that whole piece of work that we've been doing, that's almost a never ending thing, um, is all to do with building an elite team. And we've got that amongst our board of directors, I believe, and the senior managers. And increasingly so, the senior managers have rolled that out, that, that ethos out over the last four years into their teams. And so our, the, the talent we've got is, you know, it's immeasurably better than it was four or five years ago. Um, so that 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 needs to continue basically. Mm -hmm. So in order to achieve our vision, we need that elite team. Secondly, we need an advanced infrastructure. So we're brilliant at automating businesses' processes and making them more efficient um, and automating mundane tasks. We're great at doing that for our customers, but it's that, I think they call it cobbler syndrome, where the cobbler's shoes are broken and he hasn't had time to fix his own. So we've got to look inwards a bit more. So part of that has been bringing our IT uh, in-house and recruiting strategically within the IT team in order to deliver internal projects. That's going to be key, and mm. you're key part of that for, for the two teams that you run. Thirdly is an enhanced customer experience. We shouldn't forget the customer in all this. They're the one that pays our wages. Um, so I want every interaction between the customer and Spectrum to be a great one. And that's every single department from marketing. If you look at the life cycle of the customer's interaction, it comes from what you're putting out. Mm through to sales interactions, so the, the delivery interactions with service, logistics, your digital guys, right up to finance as well. You know, mm. is our bill easy to read? What happens when you ring up, does the phone get answered? All that stuff needs to happen. And the way I'm sort of shaping it is, is to say we're all consumers. And while we're in a B2B working uh, workplace and we sell on a B2B basis, we are still nevertheless consumers. We don't just become a consumer at 5.30 when we go home. We're consumers all day, all day, every day. And as consumers, we're used to, in this day and age, certain customer experience, next day delivery, being kept up to date on you on an app as to where yeah, you're like Tracking and that, yeah. Tracking <coughs> on, yeah. So your engineer is on his way, your toner is on its way. How did we do? All that sort of stuff, that mm. experience that we all know and are used to, <clears throat> I don't think we've translated necessarily uh, well enough into 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 B2B and therefore into our customer experience. The fourth one, which is an interesting one because we talked earlier about faking it when mm. it comes to virtue signaling. Yeah. So loving our community, which touch on touches on environmental credentials and ours are frankly not good enough. Um, secondly, on our charitable stuff and thirdly on our uh, inclusivity as an employer. I think inclusive, inclusivity of an employer, we don't have a problem. Our charitable work, we don't shout about, but I don't mind that. But we do a hell of a lot of it. Our environment, um, sorry, environmental credentials are crap. Now, do I want to achieve environmental greatness for the sake of ticking a box or for the sake of virtue signaling? Or do I want to do it because commercially it's better for loads of reasons? And secondly, it's important to loads of our staff. Mm. So those are the reasons I want to do it. And the customers. And the customers, of course. Mm. So it's not just... 
virtue signaling oh i need to say that we love the environment mm. and just fake it we need to physically do something about it mm. so i launched that as the fourth driver the fifth was stoadzai which i've spoken about on previous podcasts state the obvious and do something about it so all that is is just to repeat what that means is we don't procrastinate when we see when we when we have a good idea we get on with implementing it um we don't delay when it comes to making decisions we take we analyze risk but we make firm decisions and we have a hell of a lot of rigor in what we do so state the obvious and do something about it so those five things again there's loads behind them because on the face of it they might seem a bit obvious but i guess by definition of stoadzai not all businesses are doing them first four things yeah they're recruiting just i don't know the best of a bad bunch for instance yeah or they're doing greenwashing when it comes to their environmental credentials or their infrastructure is a bit naff or they're forgetting the customer so it's easy to say that those are our drivers we've actually got to now state the obvious and do something about it so i've laid that out to the team i feel like it was well received amongst the group everybody now knows which has never happened before in our business everybody knows what we've got to do and where they figure and you you were given the task of i guess communicating this and still have that task actually communicating that across the broader business so how how you found that so far backs <clears throat> yeah i mean it's early days but i mean what I, what i love about the the sort of and you i didn't mention the name yeah so the name is drive 45 um, drive forty five. We're dr- drive forty five because <laughs> we're driving towards our. <clears throat> well, this year's our fortieth year, and we're driving to our forty fifth year, and we, we hope to get there. With you know, we've we've obviously got um, you know big visions for the company. Rob's got big visions for the company and the future of the company, um, and we want to get there in five years through these drivers. Which to me, f- from a marketing perspective, is like you give everyone like a a, a common story. Mm. You're giving everyone a story to sort of like. To, to, to sort of embody because like like you say all of these stuff yeah it's obvious but it just it all gets lost and it becomes vague day after day week after week amongst many different types of people when you give them sort of a story that kind of you know sounded a bit trumped up now but like that unites people and get you know it's almost like that like like what not to compare it to religion but it's like that same psycho- psychology it's like we've got something now that as you say oh, that don't feel very Drive 45 to me, mm. what we're doing there. That don't really, that don't fit. And it means that we're all, we're all heading in the right direction. From a marketing perspective, it's early days, but again, it's our job to sort of reaffirm this and communicate this within the company and to and to help to bring some of that stuff to life. So, you know, um, did you mention employer of choice in there? You touched well, it's on part it. of elite team. So yeah, yeah, part of elite team. Yeah. an employer of choice. So it's like, how do we sort of tell that story to the wider community to show spectrum spectrum digital spectrum print <clears throat> great places to work you know we have a great time we're we're an elite team we're striving for great stuff you can be part of something that's growing and and help build something so how do we sort of communicate that and even from the sort of the foundation like how do we m- make sure that's actually happening within the culture because that's key as well it's like the environmental stuff like there's no point just doing it to tick boxes but if people are pra- if it if it's important to people within the company to to do sustainability or whatever, then all right, let's go to those people and let's champion yeah. those people up mm. and let it become naturally part of the culture from sort of like from the bottom up. And again, by giving people the perm- not the permission, but you know, by 
by sort of giving people the what's a better word than permission freedom freedom yeah, yeah. you know or encouragement or whatever yeah, yeah. to say do go you know do some great stuff and we're here to support you because that's what what, what we want to see happen um, is really cool so yeah it's early days so far obviously we had the presentation um, and where to be clear presentation we did uh, an AGM so we've got literally everybody in the business together in one room correct and we taught them for we did a bunch of presentations yeah powerpoints <laughs> yeah where on the street is that my powerpoint was kind of a bit amazing slick, um, yeah probably should have put me like to, you know towards the end or whatever <laughs> if you guys need any pointers for your presentation <laughs> no, everyone's presentations were great it was really good it was the first time I think I've ever seen everyone in the same room together yeah, yeah. there was definitely people in that room where I was like who are you like I've never seen this guy must be one of the remote workers or something um, I think what this has highlighted it's an interesting topic that might be one for a separate podcast, but it's around the role of marketing. So your role, I feel, has changed from the job description that we set out mm-hmm. uh, with because lead generation still is a huge part of your job and we need more leads. But lead gen has, is typically a huge part of um, a marketing role. Brand awareness, we've taken to another level or in, in terms of Baxi's philosophy on it and yeah. the work we've been doing towards that but then there's this other thing that's sort of sprung up and that's the internal marketing so not only marketing um to prospective employees and portraying ourselves as an employer of choice and showcasing what it's like to work here that's that's new that Mm -hmm. wasn't in your job description at the start and nor was internal marketing in the sense of reminding everyone that is already here of what a great place it is to work Mm. and supporting hr with um coming up with ideas of ways of enjoying it so so Bax and the team the marketing team have become sort of like brand ambassadors internally as well and I'm sort of giving this responsibility or sharing this responsibility I think with Bax is to make sure that it is genuinely a great place to work again I can put that in my definition of an elite team or whatever Mm. but it has to be real but I can't think of it all myself so who do I turn to? Well, I turn to the creative bunch. How can you? How can we make it so that I'm not lying when I say it's a great place to work? And so your involvement in even internal signage and stuff that we're working on, and the internal branding and the merch and all this that and the other is is where your role I think's evolved. Yeah, and definitely. It, and it's communicating out that vision and those drivers to everybody. Because yeah. if, if that's the last time we talk about it, that we've failed, haven't we? So yeah, it's pointless. It was. It's meant to be embedded. So that it becomes part of our daily, almost almost daily conversations. Yeah. Show, show us the merch or show the watches. Because <laughs> I think that's an interesting way of making it stick with people. Yeah. So the idea there is, is <laughs> <laughs> the idea there is giving, physically giving them something that they can have on the desk or have in, yeah. in, in the vehicle or whatever that is a that is a reminder mm. and, and a reference point for them to look back at. Not if I tested the staff now, did a survey that was needed an instant result tell me the five drivers or re, you know regurgitate the vision most would fail i'm not deluded mm. however because we only launched it 10 days ago yeah. but however i think it over the course of time it will be embedded I'm, i think it will that's yeah, the I think plan it started. And, and part of that was just a little gesture but physical sort of no, I, think, I, I think you're right it thing. definitely will i mean even in these past 10 days like i've had a few meetings with different people 
um, that are all asking, can, you know, can we get Drive 45 up on those monitors? So it's like reminding people. Yeah. There's still ads, I think, which mm. e- even you yourself have said, oh, it's, it's just like my little daft little saying or whatever. Everyone says it. Yeah. You know, and like, I knew, I knew something was wrong when I was at home saying it to like my <laughs> Emmy and the kids. And I thought, oh, that's it, mate. He's, he's in my head rent free now. <laughs> I'm out here just like still one side, left, right and centre. Um, but no, I think it's key. And, and that's, I think that's what I respect about your, the way you view marketing and yourself as well, is that you see, you know, I am blowing a bit of smoke. You want a bit of smoke? Yeah. <laughs> Present those asses. Um, but, but it's, it's key because even for for me for the longest time, um, you know, it was some years ago that marketing is just it's synonymous with advertising. But actually, mm. what you start to realise is that ad, the lead gen and, and this sort of stuff, brand building, that's advertising. That's one arm of the marketing thing, yeah. which goes deep into you know research and product development and all this other stuff. Mm. Which again, I've you know been lucky enough to be pulled into meetings where we're looking at all right, well, we want to look at this app or this software or whatever and like you say the building and how does it all sort of come to life and you do sort of need someone who's going to become like that guardian of like does does it like for me does it feel right from a brand perspective does it look right but it's not just the brand as in the logo because that's what businesses will do i think yeah they'll say i'll protect the brand what you mean just the little logo Mm. no 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 the brand is the everything yeah it's the essence and this is how it's this is where it's weirdly just naturally evolved for backs and I hope you're enjoying it because it's it is wider than what you first yeah signed yeah up no for. no it's, but it's, it's good it's it's put you in a more important position really because it's it's like underpinning the essence of everything we're trying to do yeah absolutely. but we still have the skeptics and the the people that look at what marketing up to and that's where lead gen where it always boils back to lead mm. gen for a lot of people and I understand why mm. because if commercially this is where I'd love to get to and I've said this to you if commercially we can get to a situation where lead gen the, the lead gen work you're doing is generating enough um, enough revenue in order to fund the wider marketing activity mm. then all the brand build brand building stuff all the internal marketing all the employer of choice work is free yeah mm. that's nice. where we've got to get to and it doesn't take a lot it's just taking your team's costs and looking at what does, what does that sort of reverse engineer to into the number of leads we need mm. and then the business we need to get out to them leads. And it's not it's not insane. It's mm. not unachievable. So that's the that's the vision for me when it comes specifically to marketing. I think just going back to the, the vision strategy that you put together, I think one of the things that's brilliant about it is it gives the business focus. And I think... Y- Lots of businesses are guilty of not having focus and it's a case of throwing a lot of shit at a wall and seeing what sticks. And mm. for me, that's that's bad strategy. Good yeah. strategy is about choosing what not to do and making some conscious decisions to say, you know, that's a great idea and that's a great idea, but we're not going to do them. I um, think we're good at them conscious decisions yeah. on what not to do just as well as what, what to do. Uh, and I guess there are examples that you've got, re- I guess, recently of yeah. good stuff that we're going, actually, it's a good idea, but we're not going to do it. Yeah, well, there's a few in the last few years. So venture into public sector world wasn't for us. Um, We're brilliant at commercial business. Um, We're brilliant at automation in in the digital world, selling print into public sector. Whilst we do it ever so well in education, the wider public sector wasn't really our bag. 
and therefore it looked like a distraction. So we took the brave decision to to, to not pursue that venture. More recently, um, and it's it's sort of semi-public knowledge, albeit there's not a great deal of PR around it, is that Spectrum Workplace Technology Group, which um, is our holding company, incorporated the one point the IT support mobile telecoms business, and we uh, we had a, a large stake in the one point. Uh, we've sold that stake back to Martin Lauer, the uh, CEO of the one point, and his team in the last week. And that diversification, that investment we made, has been incredible for us and for both parties. I hope that Martin would agree that we've we've worked well together, not as well as we could have done, and he would agree with that as well. But um, we've 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 got the most out of them and mm-hmm. I, I like to think they've got a lot out of us when it comes to um you know a more um at the time more mature business and we've helped them along that way mm. they've got to a stage now where they're backed by private equity funding and they can grow which is great for them we've decided to back out why because we want laser focus on what we're shit at which is commercial print office print production print and of course digital and automation mm. so we've got laser focus now so the timing of all this the, the the shareholder bit that i mentioned the launch and the communication to the team of drive 45 and the the sale of the one point has all coincided in the last week or two um which means that we've got you know like i say dead laser focus over the next five years on mm. what spectrum is known for and what it's great at exciting times very. forward to it yeah I mean we're having a right laugh over in marketing yeah. um, <laughs> three hours of work a day three hours of work a day <laughs> if you're lucky um, but no it's it's cool it's it's all really cool and it's interesting to see it from my perspective because I've actually seen a lot of change in the mm. time that I've been here mm. and even like this past week like you say like all that stuff that's just happened mm. almost like it was fated to happen or something it's kind of strange that like it all coalesced like that mm. To the point where we're at now with you know and with stuff that we haven't really mentioned with them the sort of branded house and sort of almost restructuring how we operate as a company and it probably it's it, not that much of a fluke though behind the scenes no but that's what i'm saying yeah, 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 yeah. I was, what i was about to say is it's it's clearly all stuff that was a long time coming yeah but it was just now's the time to just you know it was just waiting i was waiting for the time to come to launch the vision we were waiting mm. at the right time to do the one point deal but you're right, it's all culminated with the new branding and all that yeah. launch of the new branded house and stuff. So, um, yeah, it is an exciting, feels like a line in the sand mm. in a fresh five years to get our teeth into. Do you think, I guess it's going to the vision, but what will be different about this business in five years compared to today, do you think? Uh, it's bloody hell. It's a good question. Well, I mean, again, commercially, because it's a large part of my job, sustainable profitable growth mm. will have will have been achieved so we'll be in a in a better position financially will be will be larger i think that our systems and the automation of everything we do means that the workforce isn't going to grow at the same rate as the the size of the business or mm. the turnover of the business i should say um because i think we've got an elite team now we can automate in and amongst that elite team and do a lot more i don't want to frighten the team thinking they're going to be overstretched and overworked mm. but I think we can do more with the existing group yep. with the addition of course there'll be additions it's not as like a zero recruitment policy or anything like that but just proportionately it's not going to grow at the same rate in terms of staff versus turnover so what will it look like oh god it's a really what do you think would we'll throw it back to you 
Um, well, I guess it goes back to your drivers, which you were starting to yeah. work through then, wouldn't you? I think you're right. I think we can grow turnover and knock our heads at the same rate. I think you know, environmental, I called it out when we were defining the vision strategy, didn't, didn't feel like that was a strength of ours, but you rightly pushed back and said, it's not currently, but it can that's be in five years' time. Things, yeah. um, and I think that's, that's probably definitely one of the biggest areas of change that I would expect to see in this business in five yeah. years' time. So we'll yeah. be better, we'll have more credentials and we'll mean yeah. it. There'll be legitimate credentials, not just greenwashed fake yeah. credentials. So yeah, that is important. Um, but I, th- I think there'll be stuff that won't change. I think we'll still be focused on print and doing a cracking job, focused around the customer about providing a brilliant print service. And I think we'll still be focused on automation and probably the, the products that we sell within that automation umbrella may be different. Yeah. but will still be about helping organisations become leaner, more efficient and operationally. Just like better. the print, the copiers we sell will be different. There'll yeah. be new models, but fundamentally it's still providing that great service around that same, uh, you know, that's, that same core product. Yeah. And your digital automation will be the same. And five years is quick. Yeah. It'll be here before we know it. And it's all about, and I ain't even said the vision yet, so tomorrow's workplace today, the name of this podcast. What does that actually mean? I mean, it's a phrase that's been knocking around for quite a while in Spectrum. We've never really utilised it, but it is all about giving businesses um, the the tools and the technologies they need to to be ahead of their competition and mm-hmm. accelerate their own businesses. So we want tomorrow's workplace today, and to unleash human potential. Because again, all of our customers through technology and automation can help. We can help them focus on what mat- matters most to them, and they can get the best out of their people rather than the mundane tasks that many will be doing. So yeah, tomorrow's workplace today and unleash human potential, that is our vision. And I think one of the things you did really well, I don't know whose idea it was, but when you talked about vision and mission and drivers, you you brought examples of this yeah. is Ikea and whoever else you used. Yeah, I used Ikea and Nike and I think Tesla because yeah. when I was it, when I was writing the first email that I wrote to the rest of the board to say I'm going to be doing this stuff and this is my first stab at it, I was worried that it comes across as corporate nonsense. Yeah. And so I wanted to just explain that these other corporate giants that are incredibly great at what they do, do this for certain reasons. And here's their example of their vision, mm-hmm. which is idealistic state of the future. And here's their mission, which is a bit more detail. So that's why I used the examples and shared it with the staff so that the don't think I'm waffling and talking nonsense. Yeah, it makes it made it relatable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they they sell switch furniture to make life easy for people. Yeah, yeah. I, get, I get it. Yeah. So, good. All right, I'm gonna leave it there. But thank you very much for joining us both. And yeah, see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Might have a beard back by next time. <laughs> don't. I like it. It's good. Yeah. No. To be fair, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stick out like yeah. this. Yeah. It does make me look youthful, doesn't it?